Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Henry Podcast for the, the 16th of December, 2022, and happy Friday, glorious, beautiful Friday to you. Don't you know we can all use a Friday? I'm Derek Hunter. I'm your host. This is your last chance, by the way, to enter to win the autographed Donald Trump book. What is it called? Time to Get Tough, first edition, signed by the president himself, so go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast to enter or to patreon.com slash, wait, no, derekhunter.locals.com or patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. I swear I'm not drunk much. Anyway, check it out. Support the show. The Curse Program will be up at midnight tonight. And I'm thinking I, I had an experience with Amazon that's going to cause it. The rants that I go off on tangents are wildly popular. And I got a, a few things to say that might come out about customer service. Yeah, it's not doing so great. So, yeah, we'll get to that and everything else on The Curse Program tonight. Five bucks a month. Check it out. Appreciate it. All right, let's get on with the show. We have lots of stuff going on, a bunch of stuff to uh, talk about today. I, um, I'm looking at the news. Where do you start? Where do you start? Let's talk about elder abuse, shall we? Joe Biden, President of the United States. These stories are really amazing. CNN is reporting. The, uh, this is First Lady Jill Biden. Despite being so worn out from a recent circuit of White House events that she lost her voice. Oh, no, she's so tired. She lost her voice. The poor dear. The poor dear. We subsidize every aspect of her life, her travel, her vacations. We secure. But she's so worn out from having to talk to people that she invites to events that she isn't forced to have in any way, shape or form. Uh, despite being so worn out from a recent circuit, did you ever hear anything about any like Nancy Reagan, Barbara Bush, uh, the hell's uh, Laura Bush? I couldn't remember George W. Bush's uh, or Ivanka or not Ivanka. Uh, what's her name? Melania Trump. You ever hear that? Any sad tales of woe about? Oh, the schedule's just so demanding. How will they ever survive? The poor dears. She teaches one course at a community college. She needs a vacation. She spent more time vacationing than working. But she needs a vacation for a vacation because over the course of a couple of weeks where she's had to attend parties she voluntarily threw, (laughs) she's lost her voice. Oh, no. Despite being so worn out from a recent circuit of White House events that she lost her voice, is now seriously looking ahead to her husband running for re-election in 2024. Yeah, she's ready. She's ready, Freddie. That's a title shift from her position just three months ago. Oh, just three. We're supposed to believe that this woman who's lived her whole life marinated in the trappings of power suddenly goes, you know what? I don't like having people wait on me hand and foot. I don't like having things thrown at me. I don't like being invited to everything and being the bell of the ball. Because nobody's inviting her. If she's not related to a politician, not married to a politician, nobody's inviting Dr. Jill Biden anywhere. She's 
She's vacant. She's a non-entity. If you ever listen to her talk, you sit there and you almost feel sorry for her. You almost say, oh, man, the genetic gene, the gene pool was not uh, kind to you. I'm, I am very, very sorry. But because she's married to a politician who has the same level of intelligence as she does, the uh, world is their oyster and has been their oyster her whole adult life. Well, I guess her first marriage before she started sleeping with Joe while she was still married to her first husband uh, was probably not that way. He wasn't in politics the way that Joe was. He probably also wasn't sexually assaulting staffers the way Joe was. But, I mean, that's beside the point. That's beside the point. Seven people familiar with Biden's thinking. <laughs> I gotta love it. Seven people. I mean, seven. It's funny because... Under the Trump administration, what was necessary for uh, something to be reported? One anonymous person tangentially related in a weird, bastardized version of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon just had to sort of be somebody was in the same zip code as Donald Trump and recognized XYZ, and therefore we're reporting on this scandal, and everybody involved directly goes, that's not at all what happened, it's not true, and they go, it doesn't matter, we have a source. But they found seven people. Then they go, all right, now we can talk about what the uh, vapid first lady said. Seven people familiar with Biden's thinking told CNN that her private conversations about another run now match her public uh, publicity enthusiastic persona (laughs) as well as the sentiments of President Joe Biden. Her publicity. Pub, our publicly enthusiastic persona. Angela, her publicly enthusiastic persona. That's a nice, polite way of saying a dumb person who, like, smiles at everything. Just saying. The First Lady was still mostly skeptical as of early fall. Not a proponent, as one person familiar with her thinking told CNN, but in the month since the November midterm elections, in which Democrats defined the fate of most parties of the first-term president, friends noted a change. Jill is now all in on the idea, according to a person who works in the East Wing. She's all in. You know why you want to be all in if you're Joe Biden? Because you you have to pay somebody to clean up after you if you're not living in the White House. You have to stop at streetlights if you're not the active first lady of the United States. And most importantly, you don't, as they're proving and going after Donald Trump, you don't enjoy all of the legal trappings, not just the uh, comforts, but the legal trappings of being a former president. used to be, you know, the uh, subsequent administration would not unleash the hounds on the previous administration. It was always very nice and polite. The Marcus of Queensbury rules. We're looking forward, not backward, etc., etc. Well, now Democrats have changed the terms of the debate. They've dramatically changed the terms of debate and have unleashed the hounds to go after Donald Trump no matter what and forever how long. Now, the Bidens don't want that. They're already worried about what Congress is going to come up with. If they are no longer the executive, they will no longer enjoy executive privilege. 
And so documents owned by we, the taxpayers, will then be uh, subpoenable. They will not be able to hide indefinitely the way they are now in plain sight. They will not be able to hide indefinitely the way that Joe Biden is now with his Senate records. See, in a weird quirk, the United States Congress passed a whole bunch of laws holding the executive branch accountable and requiring transparency. It's all good. We should have as much transparency as humanly possible. They all work for us after all. But at the same time, they have made sure that their records are their property, right? Joe Biden's Senate documents, while created as a United States senator with taxpayer money, not just people from Delaware, but people from all across the country, his office operating expenses were from the general funds. We as taxpayers do not have access to them. They, while the administration, every administration, is subjected to the Freedom of Information Act, though it seems like most Democrat administrations do everything they can to thwart the spirit of the act, if not the actual verbiage of the document, Congress is exempt from that. Congress does not have that. They are not subjected to oversight by anybody. Anyway, they always hear Congress talking about, we have to oversight. We have oversight responsibilities. Oversight. Oh, we're so good. Let's pat ourselves on the back. We have oversight responsibilities when it comes to the administration. And they do. There is no oversight of them. And in fact, they have made sure that legally we, the taxpayers, we, the American people, have no oversight of them. We can't get to Joe Biden's records. Tara Reid says she was sexually assaulted, raped, really, by definition, by Joe Biden, and says that she filed a uh, an HR complaint, filed a complaint with the office there, uh, has called for Joe Biden to release his records from the Senate. Find that document and you will find uh, maybe not a smoking gun, but certainly a warm one. And what happened? Joe Biden said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to release. We don't have to release that because he doesn't have to release that. He owns the documents. He has given them to the University of Delaware. They have taken them with an agreement that no human being shall have access to them until, I think, 10 years after Joe Biden finally kicks the bucket. No administration goes, well, we're just going to keep everything private. We're going to keep everything silent until the president's passed on years and years. No. But because Congress sets its own rules, Congress protects itself, they can't. If the Bidens leave the White House, they won't have the tools that they currently have at their disposal. There's also the realistic probability that once Democrats, the Democrat establishment, I mean, they'll protect them for a little while. They will. But once he's out of the White House, he can't be a, a puppet interested in whatever he can do and can be done to uh, advance the left-wing cause. He'll be, he'll be a non-entity. He's not historic. He's an old white dude. Ugh, they really hate them. 
So when he's not president, he will have uh, ended his usefulness for them. So while the media might for a little while play, hey, we've got to rally around a flag and protect Joe, ultimately that won't last long because they're going to have to rally around whoever the current, the next Democrat leader is, try and prop them up, etc., etc. They won't care about it. So they stand to lose a lot if they leave the White House. See, you would think somebody who allegedly loves their husband would sit back and watch the deterioration that he's going through and feel badly about it. But she doesn't. You remember, when Joe had COVID, Jill wasn't even around. I mean, she's got her own life. She's got her, She's there for the public events. Oh, you got to go to the Kennedy Center. Oh, all right. All right, now I'm going to go off and disappear for a while. What is Jill doing? We don't know. I don't really care. I wouldn't blame her for not wanting to be around Joe if I was married to somebody who was that flagrant about, you know, hitting on and rubbing and sniffing and kissing and this is in public. God knows what he does in private. A bunch of other women, I'd probably go, you know what? I don't care. Exploit him all you want. Go ahead. Especially if, you know, you're making a fortune. Hunter's out there selling art like he's an artist. And he's selling it for, you know, half a million dollars, quarter of a million dollars. You're getting 10% of that action at a minimum right now. The got to get while the getting's good. You got to make hay while the sun is shining. Once Joe leaves office, I promise you there won't be a single human being on the planet willing to pay 15 cents for one of Hunter. Well, maybe. People do still buy cans of Billy beer. And things, whatever Roger Clinton was trying to sell in the 90s and all the other things that embarrassing presidential relatives try and hawk to try and exploit their position. But if you bought a Hunter Biden paint by numbers for a half a million bucks, the ROI, the return on investment on that thing has probably got a shelf life of the second you bought it, to be honest with you because you bought it to get influence with the Biden family. And it's not going to, it's going to be a curiosity. You might get 10% on it. You might get Joe Biden's cutback on that. So of course she's down with wanting to run again. And Joe's lived his whole life for this moment. The moments of lucidity, as rare as they are, are moments of lucidity where he has achieved what he's always wanted. He doesn't want to go anywhere. Now imagine if you're Jill and Joe decides not to run. Then it's just you and Joe sitting around the house. All the aggression he's taking out on all of his female staffers will be directed toward you. You really want Grandpa Badfinger coming at you every single day? You can't really travel all that much when you got to pay the freight. Ugh. Says we're talking about Jill... The Reverend Dr. Jill, oh, the vaunted Jill Biden. Let us uh, then shift to the only reason we know Jill. Kind of funny. She started her academic career. And it's hard to call her an academic. You want to know why the education system has gone straight to hell? It's largely because you have to refer to somebody like Jill Biden as an academic to be in good standing with left-wingers. Oh, yeah, no, she's... She's an academic. She's more interested. No, she's not. She's vapid. She's not. She's not bright. She's not bright. 
Now you can tell she insists on being called doctor because she's got her education doctor. It's not even a PhD. It's an ED, uh, EDD, education doctorate. In community, read her thesis. There are coloring books that are more coherent than her thesis. Anyway, then again, uh, you know, there are coloring books that are smarter than her husband, too. And that's where we find ourselves. Yesterday, the president of the United States met with African leaders, barely. Barely. He wasn't all that interested in them. They were complaining last week that they weren't going to get any time at all to actually meet one-on-one with the president of the United States. It was just he was going to address them in mass. No chance to address their individual concerns because, look, Joe Biden needs to be seen around black people. He doesn't want to talk to them. It's his whole career. So they did get a little bit of time with Joe. They heard the criticisms. And being racist Democrats, the president of the United States walked in and watched some soccer with them. He watched a little bit of soccer because Morocco was playing. Morocco is playing. Well, Morocco is not really your typical African country. It's just not. (laughs) To Democrats, it doesn't matter. They're all just, oh, you know what? It's an African country. It's an African country, so who cares? Problem solved. We'll just put them in a room with an African country, and we'll uh, we'll be fine. Like, no, well, that African country is like a North African country. It's like a Southern... Spain country, not exactly, you know, what you'd think of is not a lot, but it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Democrats say box checked. He watched some soccer with them. He didn't understand the game, but he watched it. Then the president did what he had to do, which was address, 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 address the African nations. And being... Joe Biden, being a racist Democrat, being an oblivious human being, rather than addressing, because he didn't want to, because if he sits down with these world leaders, if he if he carves out a day where he misses his nap, right? That's really all Joe Biden does. If he carves out a day where he misses his nap, then what do you get? You get Joe Biden sitting down with a bunch of black leaders elected black leaders who tell them exactly what it is that their countries are having issues with in the world. Sometimes the White House can help, sometimes they can't, what have you, but at least they would hear their citizens, they would hear from their leaders. But Joe doesn't work that way. He dictates what the problem is. He doesn't want to hear what the problem is. And uh, so all he does is come in, He's like the absentee, think of this as like the abusive absentee father. And I know that sounds a little condescending on his face. I don't mean it in that way. But the guy who just goes, you know what, I'll throw some money at the problem. That's That'll solve it. It's not going to solve any issue. Well, we'll throw money at the problem. Shut up. Shut up. Think about liberals all across the country. Think about the state of California. We'll get to that. They're working on the uh, the reparations there. We'll just give black people a whole bunch of money. That'll solve the problems. Hmm. Not really, but okay, that's that's all you come up with. That's what Democrats do is they look at people and based on their skin, they go, we'll just give them money and we'll be fine. That's what Joe Biden did when meeting with African leaders. But boy, howdy, you know, you think California offering up to $233,000 per person, 
who may or may not have descended from somebody who may or may not have been redlined at some point in their lives. Um, you'd think that would be a lot. It's not. Not compared to what Joe Biden has in mind. This is from one speech. This is Joe Biden. I don't even know what the total is. Pledging and talking about how much money, how much of our money he's going to throw at Africa. And one thing I want to point out is there's a lot of money for Internet. Oh, boy, howdy. There's tons of money for Internet. There is a ton of money for um, anything you can possibly imagine. And he goes through the list. And there's a little bit of money for clean drinking water. The little There's like billions of dollars for internet and green energy and so on and so forth. We're going to transform Africa's energy grid. How about we make sure that all of Africa has electricity first and foremost? Wouldn't that be you know, a way to go? No, no, no. And then we're going to have $10 million for clean drinking water. And you go, well, what's, what's the point of the ability to, what do you do? You just look up videos of people drinking water that doesn't give them dysentery and risk their lives? Is that... Is that what you're hoping to give them? Because you you should the priority should be clean drinking water, should not? I, I'm just saying, if you can't survive, what good is the ability to look up porn on a laptop? You can't really power because there's no electricity. It's not all of Africa, but it's still too much of Africa. Not all of Africa has poor drinking water, but still too much of Africa has poor drinking water. If you're at all interested in humanitarian causes in any way, shape, or form, the humanitarian part should be the priority. Not, oh boy, howdy, we're going to hook you up so we could sell your wares on Etsy. I mean, you'll probably die from malaria because we're still not going to let you use DDT. But... You know, we'll get you really fashionable mosquito mat nets or something. Who knows? It's I find it wildly condescending. I don't know. Maybe other people don't. But I do. I find it wildly condescending that there's this old white dude going, we're going to provide you with everything, everything you need to be modern in the time, but not drinking water because, you know, screw you. Listen to it. This is from one speech. It's about two minutes long. Listen to everything and every dollar amount Joe Biden is talking about giving to Africa because he's talking about our money. Since the start of my administration, the MCC has announced new investments of nearly $1.2 billion in Africa, working with Congress to invest $350 billion to facilitate more than almost a half a billion dollars in financing to make sure people across Africa can participate in a digital economy. $8 billion in public and private finance to help South Africa replace coal-fired power plants. The U.S. International Development Finance Corporation is investing nearly $370 million in new projects. $100 million to increase the reliable, clean energy for millions of people in sub-Saharan Africa. $20 million to provide financing for fertilizer to help smallholder farmers, particularly women farmers, increase the yields of their crops. $10 million to support small and medium-sized small and medium-sized enterprises that help bring clean drinking water to communities all across the continent. We announced our intention to collectively mobilize $600 billion in the next five years 
a deal worth $2 billion to build solar energy projects in Angola, $600 million in high-speed communications cable that will connect Southeast Asia to Europe via Egypt and the Horn of Africa. The bottom line is simple. Goods from the port of excuse me, from the port of Kutano to neighboring landlocked countries. We expect the MCC to commit an additional $2.5 billion across Africa in just the next three years. We're investing to facilitate greater regional trade within Africa, including by investing in infrastructure. We'll invest $500 million to build and maintain roads put in place for $1 trillion. We invested in Africa's capacity to manufacture its own vaccines, investing in, the Afri in, investing in Africa's people, developing human capital. And the United States is committed to supporting every aspect, every aspect of Africa's inclusive growth and creating the best possible environment for sustained commercial engagement between Africa companies and American companies. <laughs> Uh, can you just smell the inflation? Can you see it? Can you? Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to give you this and that. And then there's like, okay, well, $10 million for clean drinking water. $10 million for clean drinking. Do we need $350 billion for internet if you can't get clean drinking water? I'm pretty sure that people would much rather have the, uh, prefer the ability to turn on a spigot and drink the water without fear of death or, you know, certainly pain, than they would the ability to use the Internet. Because you know what? People survive without the Internet. People are not so good without the water, right? They're not so good without the water. And it takes real Western arrogance, real white guy liberal arrogance, the white savior complex that is prevalent on the left, Although not unique to white people. It's just anybody. Look at over at Africa. Look, they're miserable. They're terrible. They're horrible. They're, we must save them. Save them how? By giving them TikTok? By making sure they can tweet? Hey, we're going to get you. Don't worry. I know you're happy now. And I understand that you're going about your business and minding your own business and living your lives. And you relatively happy even though by our standard of living you're poor but by our standard of living you're poor therefore we must rescue you from your happiness and make you as miserable as everybody else by introducing the internet saturating your culture with pornography and then uh, following it up with uh, a whole bunch of credit cards so you can buy the crap you don't really need and then spend the rest of your life paying it off at 23% interest. It'll be wonderful. Don't worry. You don't know how good you're going to have it. <laughs> please, please stop helping me. Please stop helping me. That would be the cry if you listen to it. But the, the liberal leadership never listens to the people they wish to lead. Doesn't matter what color they are. Doesn't matter what nationality they are. It doesn't matter. They just go, you know what? I know what's best for you. I know what's best for you. Don't worry. A mosquito bite may kill you. But you can crochet a hat and sell it online. That'll be, uh, you know, there you go. I don't know what you're complaining about. 
Most people in the world do not live the way we live in the United States. It'd be one thing for that to be true if the left understood that and appreciated it. They don't. In many ways, they understand it, but they certainly don't appreciate it because they've uh, the way the rest of the world lives is only a concept to them. So it's really easy to embrace a concept. It's difficult to actually live that way. You know, most people would never want to do it, but whatever. But most people in the world are very happy. We just went through hell in Afghanistan for 20 years because of incompetent leadership looking at the people of Afghanistan and going, they want a government like us. What they really want is freedom. What they, no, they don't. They don't understand the concept of freedom. Maybe if you took great pains to educate them about the concept of freedom, some of them would go, you know what, that's pretty good. But most of them, those who don't live in Kabul or a couple of the other cities that are you know, recognizable as cities, they live in villages in the middle of nowhere, and they grow their own food and meat and herd goats and what have you for sustenance. They, they just survive. They don't know what they don't have. They don't understand the concept of freedom as we do. The concept of freedom is, well, you'll be able to take pictures of your, your, your meal and send it out to the world to see so that everybody's jealous about what you're having. Whereas they really are the most free people on the planet. What do they have to do? They, they wake up, they take care of their business, they get to spend time with their family and friends in a small, close-knit village. Is it oppressive by our standards? Sure, but you don't know any different. And oh my God, they're being oppressed by these radical Islamists. Well, maybe, they, maybe they're not being oppressed by them. Maybe that's their version of their religion, right? Or maybe the oppression, as it happens, as it occurs, is so infrequent that it doesn't really rate. If you're in the middle of a village on the side of a mountain in a remote region of Afghanistan, how much attention do you think the Taliban is really paying to you? We must go and invade this. There's 27 people and 800 goats. We must go and make sure that we subjugate all of them, especially the goats. I don't think they're really worried about that. I think they're more worried about the, the economic center. For all their bluster about, oh, religious purity and blah, 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 they're just like every other politician who seeks to impose their will on every other everybody else. They don't really give a damn. The Soviet Union didn't pay attention to most people in rural villages. If you got too uppity, they did, but otherwise they didn't. It wasn't a factor in you. You didn't know how oppressed you were because it was all you knew in life. It's even more so in remote places of Afghanistan, in remote places of Africa. They don't know that they don't have the... Do you know that you can you know, go to your average remote African village and they don't even know about Netflix, let alone the Prince Harry and Meghan Markle documentary series. They don't even know about that. They don't understand how oppressed these rich, spoiled little brats are. They don't know. So Joe Biden is pledging a just an absolute gargantuan amount of our money to make sure that they can keep up with their Kardashians over there in Africa. One question the left never asks, and one thing Joe Biden didn't bother because he couldn't take the time to actually meet in any substantive way with African leaders is, 
do you want this stuff? They don't care. The companies that would provide it want this stuff. And they can't just give them $350 billion. They got to do it ostensibly for some sort of good or service in exchange. That's how government works under Democrats and Republicans, but mostly Democrats. Now, shifting gears slightly, I just, uh, I saw this story in the UK Daily Mail. It's, God, I'm so glad every day that I was born an American. You know, you don't know how lucky you are to have been born an American. But you're also exceedingly lucky that you're not born a Californian. (laughs) What a mess. That state, no offense to the people out in California. Ruby, I know, listens every day out in California, but for the love of God. UK Daily Mail. You see, the the state's reparations task force has uh, recommended reparations for some people in California based on Heritage, lineage, not race. They're, they're making, trying to make a, an argument. There's a distinction really without a difference in a lot of ways. And once you broach the concept, there's really no stopping it. That's like, We're not saying for every black person. We're saying people who were actually discrim- descendants of people who were actually discriminated against. Well, hey, good luck determining that. What are you going to do? Are you going to take a, a DNA test to find out? Do you have a, a, a thorough record of people who were discriminated against? It, it's just beyond stupid. It's mostly pandering because I don't think much will come of it. The state will go broke, for example. But they want, and Gavin Newsom wants, to be able to look at black voters and say, see, I'm trying to do this for you. I'm trying to do this for you. Uh, we can't do it in California, but we can do it on a national level. Elect me president. It's the ultimate in pandering. Everything Democrats do is pandering. Now today, UK Daily Mail. This hasn't been covered by American press because why would it? It's only happening here. A black California businessman demanded $600,000 from California taxpayers during the first meeting of the state's reparations task force on Wednesday. Deliberations began on how to quantify how financial compensation might be calculated and what might be required to prove eligibility. One of those who spoke at the public hearing was 35-year-old entrepreneur and first black professional triathlete Max Fennell, who said that every person should get $350,000 in compensation to close the racial wealth gap, and black-owned businesses should receive $250,000, which would help them to flourish. Fennell then added, quote, It's a debt that's owed. We worked for free. We're not asking. We're telling you. I don't believe Mr. Fennell worked for free. I doubt it highly. I wonder whether or not his ancestors did. He concluded his remarks by saying, quote, the tangibles of what I'm asking for is $350,000 per black American in California. That's tangible. Small business grants, two hundred. dollars and $50,000, and land, 15 to 20 acres, end quote. Ben posted a video on Instagram showing him at the hearing with around 60 others alongside the captioning, witnessing history with the tribe. Yes, tribalism. Don't you love it? Thought we were past this crap. But Democrats, thanks to them, thanks to their blind ambition, have devolved us as a species to this point. 
Since 2021, the first of its kind in the nation task force has been developing, uh, delving into history and studies to make the case for reparations to California descendants of enslaved black people. California wasn't a state then. California never had slaves, but it doesn't matter. When you've got an ambitious governor with a quite a head of hair, he doesn't care. The group has until July 1st before they have to make a decision on reparations. Give me, give me free stuff. The committee met Wednesday at City Hall in Oakland, a city that was the birthplace of the Black Panthers but lost some of its African-American population as rising home prices forced people out. Oh, yes, racism. California Senate candidate Dion Jenkins spoke at the hearing and said that any money designed to counteract housing discrimination should be in line with the average price of a home in the state, around $800,000. While Dem- Demnulus, I don't know what the hell kind of name that is, D-N-M-N-U-L-S, Demulus Johnson III, a Richmond City Council member, said it's remarkable that the issue is even being talked about publicly. Quote, you have to name a problem in order to address it, he said. Of course, we want to see it addressed now. The urgency is now, but just having it aired at all and put out on the line is a major feat. All right, cool. Then can we consider the discussion to be reparations and golf clap our way out of this insanity? No. No, we can't. The day before the hearings began, the chair of the committee hit out at reports that the group plans to recommend a $225,000 be handed out to each person applying to the program. In a series of interviews on December 13th, Camila V. Moore said that the figure presented to the committee is an economic research team uh, by an economic research team presents represents the state of California's maximum culpability for housing discrimination. It only applies to people who were impacted by housing discrimination between 1933 and 1977 and not just black people. Yeah, they keep on just expanding. They want more and more people. It's fentanyl dealers are not this aggressive at getting new customers and getting them addicted to their product as Democrats are in getting people addicted to government money. Moore said, quote, in reality, that number would be minimized when you take into account the fact that the task force decided in March that the community of eligibility would be lineage-based rather than race-based. So we're just going to need a government database of your DNA, your family's DNA, going back. We're going to be able to trace your movements. And then we're going to decide whether or not you've been oppressed enough and how much you've been oppressed and blah, 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 and you'll get a chunk of money. And that money will be doled out over time because it would break the state. And suddenly what happens? You have become government dependent, all in the name of charity and justice. Isn't that nice? She added, quote, when you really look at who was really impacted by housing discrimination during that particular time period, it most likely won't be all black folks, end quote. So just like affirmative action were the biggest beneficiaries of this program created by Democrats to compensate for past injustices, the biggest beneficiaries are by far white women, (laughs) 
Democrats always take care of their own. The Democrats here are going, well, you know what? You never know who's going to get there. Because once you start throwing money out there, the object isn't to bring about justice. The object isn't to bring about any kind of closure. It's not, it is to get as many human beings dependent on government as possible. In a separate interview on Spectrum News, Moore pointed out the need for a Bureau of African American Affairs in order to handle the payments, pointing to the success of the Bureau of Indian Affairs record of handling similar issues with Native Americans. There's the kicker, ladies and gentlemen. When you think of a group of people, if you really want to think about people as members of tribes and members of races, and you just break them down like that and forget and wipe clean all the individuality, why there's no group of people in the country who has been better served by government than the Native American. Is, has there? Can you think of it? I can't even. Go to an Indian reservation. Go to an Indian reservation in a Democrat state. We don't even have to be in a Democrat state. They're sovereign nations. And they are, while they may be in a red state, they are bastions of democratism, liberalism. Go to any of them and, and see, gee, would you like to live there? Would you like to live there? How much money would it cost for you to live there? Would you vacation there? Or would you go 500 miles out of your way to drive around it? Because they are some of the most depressing places on earth. I looked up. I'm like, I wanted to know who this woman was. So I looked up the reparations task force. You can find their bios. Oh, my God. they are. Uh, each one of these members is a member of the professional grievance industry. It's something to behold, but Camilla Moore, she's the chair. Camilla Moore is a reparatory justice scholar. <laughs> Jeez. When you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. A reparatory justice scholar and an attorney with a specialization in entertainment and intellectual property transactions. But it sounds like she's just been oppressed her whole life, doesn't it? As a law student, Moore contributed to the Human Rights Report related to domestic and international human rights issues, including but not limited to racial inequality in Brazil. Oh, boy, howdy. The human rights uh, uh, to sanitation in Loudons County, Alabama. I don't know. I don't want to know. Uh, USA, the human right to remedy for indigenous black women affected by racialized gender violence in Papua New Guinea. Wow, she sounds like a well-rounded individual who's going at this objectively, doesn't it? While studying abroad at the University of Amsterdam, Moore wrote a master's thesis exploring the intersections between international law and repertory justice for the transatlantic slave trade, chattel slavery, and their legacies. She's never seemingly once studied the origins of the slave trade in the continent of Africa. Wonder why that is. You don't have to wonder anymore. We all know why that is. God, these people. I don't mind if they destroy themselves. Let's just keep, let's build a wall. Forget the Mexico wall. Let's build a wall blocking Californians. We'll give the freedom-loving Californians a couple months to get out, but that's it. And then we just set California free, like in Superman, where they just uh, Lex Luthor blasted it into the ocean. Damn you, Superman, for reversing the flow of the earth. Or time, I should say. In the uh, time we have left, I want to play you this 
from uh, Katie. Katie Porter is a member of Congress from California. Big time lefty. She's a single mom because, good God, wouldn't you head for the hills if you were married to Katie Porter too? Single mom. She's a rabid leftist, really kind of obnoxious, barely won re-election this time, and she will have learned nothing from that experience. At a hearing today, Democrats on their way out in the lame duck Congress are holding hearings about victimhood and how awful everything is in this country. And right now, today's theme is for the alphabet mafia. Everybody's being discriminated against. It's such a horrible thing. And oh, by the way, Colorado Springs was a hate crime, even though it was done by a guy who's non-binary and gender fluid and they, them pronouns and all this. He's undoubtedly a, uh, a valued member of the Democratic coalition until he, he's opened fire at the gay club. They're pretending that that was a hate crime perpetrated by somebody who was anti what this guy is. Because why? Because why not? What the hell do they care? And Katie Porter, I joked about this yesterday. How long until they start saying the P needs to be included in the alphabet mafia? Pedophiles. As long as you don't act on being a pedophile, why? It's just a sexual orientation and discriminating against it is wrong. Well, they're trying to say that calling perverts who, you know, dress and drag and grind in front of children, small children, in libraries and brunches across the country are somehow groomers. They're trying to say that's a horrible hate crime thing to say, and how dare you, and oh, you're doing harm and responsible for this shooting. And Katie Porter literally gets upset that people are groomers, pedophiles, are being discriminated against. Because I assume the argument, at least, God, I hope the argument is, because maybe she doesn't care about pedophiles at all. I, I assume the argument is that until you act on it, it's just a sexual orientation. It's a sick argument to make, but it's, I mean, Democrats are sick people, so it shouldn't surprise anybody. Listen to this. You know, this allegation of groomer and pedophile, it is alleging that a person is criminal somehow and engaged in criminal acts merely because of of their identity, um, their sexual orientation, their gender identity. Um, So this is clearly prohibited under Twitter's content, yet you found hundreds of these posts on the platform your team filed complaints about these posts. Yes. And how often did Twitter act to take down these posts, which violated its own content policy? Very rarely. So from our calculation, it looks like about 99% of your complaints, they basically acted on one or two of the 100 plus complaints you filed. If you ever thought you'd live to see the day where a Democrat was actively defending the right of grown men to grind their genitals in the faces of small children, you, congratulations, you've achieved I was this many years old today when I heard somebody stand up in Congress and defend pedophiles against the allegation that they're groomers simply because they wish to sexualize children. It's a really sick, sick group of people. Then I saw this thing because somebody's like, well, in the response to that video, like, there's an, I saw this headline. I had to look it up. This is out of Canada, but if uh, you think it doesn't happen here, you're insane. New scholarship announced for aspiring 
Biopic 2SLGBTQIA plus film curators. Now that's, if you have to take a breath in the middle of your, uh, your title or your, your group, your favorite group, you are, uh, you're doing it wrong. Now I had to know what in the hell is 2SLGBTQIA plus. So I looked it up, courtesy of Middlebury Institute of International Studies at Monterey, a, a private college that costs $27,000 a year up in Vermont. <laughs> the asterisk 2SLGTBQIA plus is an acronym for two-spirit, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and or questioning, intersexed, asexual, and the plus reflects the countless affirmative ways in which people choose to self-identify. It's really getting to the point that this acronym is how people smell, spell the sound of a sneeze. It's really getting to the... Sooner or later, this group of people, it's just going to be a cat walking across the keyboard, stopping halfway through to wash itself and then continuing on its way. This is how insane this is getting. Because why? Because once you embrace insanity, you, there's no rational reason to say, well, all right, we've embraced crazy, but only to a certain point. That ain't how crazy works. Never how crazy works. And you can see now how Democrats lost control of their party. So the alphabet, mo- it really is just getting to the point that it's the sound of a sneeze. By the way, oh, well, well, looking at the uh, scholarship up in Canada, Let's see. This is, by the way, if you are a uh, scholarship-seeking film student up in Canada and a member of the... Biopic is like black, indigenous, people of color, blah, blah, blah. They just lump you together. God, they're such gross people, Democrats are. Leftist progressives. The the, uh, film festival programmers are uniquely positioned to change worldviews. Hidalgo said, there's more to this, but I'm not going to read it. In a statement announcing the scholarship, the choices curators make to determine whose voices are heard and whose narratives are seen and which communities are celebrated. Historically, the film programmers' circle has been overwhelmingly male-dominated, cisgender, straight, white, and middle class. Yeah, because there's more of us than everybody else. And quite frankly, without us, all of the rest of you would go to hell in a handbasket. Who would do the work? Who would, without us, who would do the work? Be a bunch of leftists sitting around sipping tea going, somebody should do something about this, but it's not going to be me. <laughs> I almost broke a sweat yesterday, and that was quite enough. Thank you, sir. Uh, that leave, uh, that uh, leaving stories that don't feel mainstream marginalized. Well, maybe that's because when you invest in something, you kind of want to return on that investment, right? Hey, I'm going to put a million dollars into this movie. Why would you do that? Well, because I am hoping to lose all of it. I hope I never get any of it back. But boy, howdy, I hope that the 12 people who go and see this piece of crap film really are changed dramatically as people from the experience. No, nobody says that. They say, I'm putting a million dollars in this movie because I'm hoping that it comes marching back to me with, uh, you know, another million or several other 
million dollars. I hope I have a hit that returns a hundredfold my investment. But if you go, what I really need to do is put a million dollars into a movie that's going to appeal to like 12 people who live in uh, Manhattan, you're probably not going to see a return on that investment. Uh, this, let's see, where did it go? Overwhelming, blah, 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 feel mainstream marginalized. This fellowship will empower the curators of Biopic 2 SLD. G-B-T-Q-I-A plus to provide a platform for voices challenging systems of oppression and reshaping our culture. Yeah, we're throwing money. Find me a member of the sneeze sound mafia that is oppressed. All right. We're seeing what? Stories every single day. Straight white males are discriminated. Straight people. Horrible. Discriminated against. You have to be in the alphabet mafia. And oh my God, there are politicians and presidents and every celebrity in the world who do nothing all day but throw themselves in front. They like throwing their coats down in a mud puddle going, oh, please don't get your shoes. They're bowing to somebody because of who they screw. And they're like, wow, you're a pathetic individual. No, you can't say that. That's just wrong. Applicants, it says, must be available to attend virtual master classes, workshops, and programming meetings from February through July and are expected to attend the Vancouver Queer Film Festival in person. Yeah, fake it till you make it. Screw it. I mean, how do you prove that you're a member of the Alphabet Mafia? What do you got to do? Do you got to submit a video of you having relations with somebody in the proper end of the spectrum of the alphabet mafias? Oh, no, no, no. I'm two-spirit. So what the hell is two-spirit? That means, I don't know, I just sleep with it. I'm pansexual. Hide the tea, foul. Earl's coming over. Earl the pansexual's coming over. God help us. These people all simply, quite frankly, deserve the worst things that can happen to them. All right, I uh, I was going to get to this Ron DeSantis stuff, and I was going to get to this MSNBC stuff. We'll save it maybe for another time because I was looking, and I didn't. I'm not sure how to touch this because today was the big day that Donald Trump announced. He announced yesterday that he'd have a major announcement, a major announcement. And I'm waiting until now to address it because I. I still can't, I can and I can't believe it. You think, oh, Donald Trump, major, what is he going to do? Speculation, he's going to drop out of the race. He's going to announce who his running mate would be. He's going to actually offer to speak coherently on a policy issue for a period of time, whatever. Maybe we'll go into this more uh, in the next show. But on his Truth Social account, which then people put on Twitter because nobody's on Truth Social except for him. There's major announcement. I, I, it's more embarrassing than I thought it would be. Major announcement. My official Donald Trump digital trading card collection is here. I'm not kidding. What I'm reading you is real. These limited edition cards feature amazing art of my life and career. Collect all of your favorite Trump digital trading cards. Very much like a baseball card, but hopefully much more exciting. Go to collecttrumpcards.com and get your cards now. Only $99 each. 
would make a great Christmas gift. Don't wait. They will be gone, I believe, very quickly. NFTs, non-fungible tokens, the... I, I swear to God, it's that's what it is. That's what it is. He's he's selling you something for ninety a digital trading card, which is not a trading card at all. These NFTs have done nothing but lose money. But I guess if you've gone through the motions, you uh, you've gone you put all put all the effort into making them. You just go out and sell them. And if you're going to try and bilk people. $99 each. I imagine there are several thousand, hundreds of thousands. He's going to make money off of this because some people will simply go, here's my money. Go ahead and take it. But this is the major... You cannot make this stuff up. He was a great president, but he's not a serious person. Not anymore. I don't really enjoy saying that, but that's just the way it is. Maybe we'll get into this more tomorrow, but it's just... Are you surprised, really? Are you surprised? I'm not surprised, but I am surprised that the week is over, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the week is over. The Week in Heaven Review begins at midnight, and you can win... uh, It doesn't even cost you $99 for a digital token or whatever the hell an nft is you can actually get a tangible book with the real authentic autograph from the guy now whoring out nfts and running for president of the united states simultaneously at patreon.com slash derek hunter podcast or derek hunter.locals.com just something about cheapening the brand maybe i'll have something to say about this in the week in effing review coming up Have yourself a wonderful Friday. We'll see you next time.